Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. Consecration. Consecration is a biblical word, right? And, and it's one of those fancy words. It's like, what exactly does that mean? Well, it's all about preparation. It's being prepared, being good stewards of our time, our resources, of who, of what we are doing, so that when God says, "Hey, I need you to do this," you can do it. It's all about the preparation. When you're all in, you're prepared. You're ready to do it. This is, I'm ready to do whatever Jesus asks me to do. Last week we talked about the, the second week was all about denial, not necessarily being in denial, but denying your flesh, denying yourself what you want, what you crave, in order to be able to do what God asks you to do. And so, you know, we came, with a, came away with a statement that said, following Jesus costs nothing, but it demands everything, and that's the truth. So today we're going to look at going all in from a little different angle, and, uh, and today I want to start off with a story about the Spanish explorer uh, Cortez. I don't know if you're familiar with him through history. He's from uh, 1519. It's when he sailed to Mexico. He was sent to conquer Mexico, right? And the Aztecs, and, and he did do that. He sailed with 553 soldiers, 110 sailors, 13 horses, and 11 ships. Now, why do I tell you those numbers? Because it's important to know that where he was heading, the indigenous population of the people that were there, the Aztecs, were, were about 5 million people. So the odds of him, so for every one man that he had, they had 7,541 people. That's how many people, 7,541 to 1. Those were his odds of actually conquering the Aztecs. And if you know the story, you know that he actually did conquer the Aztecs, and he did conquer that part of, of Mexico. But what you may not know is about the two earlier settlements that went in before Cortes. They failed and retreated back to Spain. Why? They, they were not all in. But Cortes did something that was amazing. He knew that if he was going to succeed, he had to take a step that says, I'm all in. And you know what he did? When he got off the ships, and he got all the animals and everybody off the ships, he burned all 11 ships. He said, I'm not going back. There is no going back to Spain. We are going to succeed or we are going to die trying. And I'd say that's like an all-in moment, isn't it? That's really what it was. Retreat was not an option. And I would say for us that, that nine times out of ten, failure for us is resulting to plan B when plan A doesn't work out so well, right? And Cortez, he just eliminated plan B. He said, there is no plan B. You know, for me, whenever God called us to plant this church, my wife and I, we sat down and we prayed and we said, all right, we're going to do this and we're going to go forward and plant this church. What, what do I have to do? Well, you've got to quit your job. Whoa, I don't, I don't know about quitting my job. What if the church doesn't work out, right? You know, what if nobody shows up when you all are here? But what happens? What if? And I had to answer a lot of questions, but I quit my job. With no guarantee of, of an income, no guarantee of a church, no guarantee of financial backing, nobody even said yes to come help me yet. 
That was in January of 2012. We launched May of 2013. I quit my job. And God provided every step of the way and confirmed every step of the way. But it took a step of faith from on my part to burn the ship and to go forward. And God wants to reward you for, for doing that. He's rewarded us. And, and now we have two services and we're growing here in Reynoldsburg. And God is blessing what we're doing. But it took one step of faith. It took a step of faith to say, I'm not going back. I'm going to burn the ships. I can't go back that way. But for me, really, the reason that I was, I was okay with doing that is because there was nothing else in life that I would have rather have done. Everything else in my life was like gravel in my mouth. I don't know if you've ever had a mouthful of gravel, but it's not a pleasant experience. It's not even like, you know, you want to taste it and see what it's made of. It's kind of like, that's not good. You want to wipe your tongue off, you know? Everything I was doing, all the jobs I was doing, the places I was going, where I was connected, everything was like gravel in my mouth. It was just unsatisfying. And to me, I would have just crashed and burned following this God-ordained and God-given dream. Amen? And so I did. I just I chased after it. And, and, and instead of succeeding at something else, well, that's what we have to do. We have to burn the ships. We have to make a statement of faith when it comes to following Jesus. In other words, we have to make a defining decision that will eliminate the possibility of going back. We have to burn the ships of, of, of our past failure, of our past successes, of our regrets, of our bad habits, of our old ways of life. Now today we're going to jump into the Bible. We're going to be, not only are we celebrating the resurrection of Christ today, but we're talking about something that Jesus himself did. He went all in, and I'm going to show you some other characters from the Bible who went all in in the same way that Jesus did today. If you need a Bible, we would love to bless you with one. If you don't own one, uh, we, would, we have uh, service hosts have Bibles here. If you just put your hand up in the air like this, somebody will put a Bible in your hand, and that is our gift to you. Uh, we are going to be in 1 Kings, but the verses will also be up on the screen. So we're going to be in 1 Kings 19 today, and we're going to talk a little bit about Elijah and Elisha. And uh, 1 Kings 19, 19 through 21. So the verse goes, So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen, and himself was driving the twelfth pair. Now Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come after you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and become his servant. So here's Elisha's all-in moment, right? Now, you need to understand what this represents. Elisha is a farmer. That's his job. He's out plowing the fields. He's minding his own business, riding his little plow. He's got a couple oxen, pulling him, bumpity bump, bump, he goes, right? But you need to understand, he actually had a job. This is probably a family business. This might have been a lucrative family business. This was a lot to walk away from. The fact that he had oxen or cattle in the first place meant that he had some money, or that was the, 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 the um, currency of the day would have been cattle, right? He had money. He had stuff. He had a farm. He had land in which he was plowing. This is maybe somebody of affluence in the community. Maybe he was the guy who made the corn for everybody. You know, I don't know who grew the corn. I don't know. But he had a place. He had a purpose. He was fit into a community, into a group of people, and he had something to do. And Elijah comes along and tosses his cloak on him. Says, come on, come follow me. And Elisha says, I'll do that. Let me go kiss my father goodbye. And so he goes and he burns his plows. He breaks them down, burns the plows, 
and slaughters his oxen. He gave up everything. He made sure there was no plan B. I'm all in. I'm going after Elijah. And so he does. And so for us, going all in, just like with Elisha, starts with a decision. We have to decide in life what it is that we want more, right? You can't hold on to plan A and plan B at the same time. It takes too much energy. It takes too much time. It takes too much strength. It takes too much cost, too much to maintain both of those options. We have to decide what we want more. And then our decision has to lead to action, doesn't it? You could better say it this way, that we have to make a good decision and then make your decision good, right? And one of the qualities of a true decision is that it eliminates all other options. So, you know, for us, when we, when we decided to, to launch the church, the next thing we had to do was meet with a panel of people. We met with so many panels of people and so many interviews because to be, to be uh, affiliated with the Assemblies of God, which is our affiliation, we wanted, to, we wanted to do that, and we wanted to launch with them, and we wanted their financial support, and we wanted, wanted all that they offered. And so we met with these teams and so many different panels, and they asked me so many different questions. And all of them said the same thing. Can you tell me, without, without any reservations, that God has called you to plant this church? Why are they asking me this kind of question? When I came to you and said, I want to plant a church, God's called me to do it. Are you 100% sure? Yes, because they wanted to know if I had burned the plows. They wanted to know my story. They wanted to know if I was truly all in on planting this church. They asked my wife the same question. She had to be at every single meeting that I was in. Are you 100% in? Because if you're not in, then you might pull him away from being 100% in. And they had to ask us these questions. They didn't want us second-guessing it or wanting, uh, wanting out of it once, we, once everything started to get tough. And so, you know, for us, it's the same thing. If we're truly going to go all in for Jesus, we have to burn our plows. We have to do everything we can to ruin our, any chances of going back. You know, maybe for some of us, we need to make like a tangible action, right? Maybe it's putting a password on your computer or putting a blocker on certain websites for you. Um, some of you just need to throw some stuff away. Like my wife and I, when we started dating, I said, listen, I'm not going to continue to date you if you keep voice phone numbers in your phone, past, past relationships, or t-shirts, or shorts, or anything that a past relationship, somebody gave you from a past relationship, and it was the same for me. And we agreed that. Why? Because we wanted to be all in for each other. We didn't want anything to be there from our past to remind us of what happened in the past, or where we had been, or who we had been with. We didn't want to carry any of that into the new relationship, and so we did. We cleared out our phones, we cleared out our contacts, we looked through our clothes as best we could, and found anything that passed relationship, the fruit past relationships and we got rid of them. For some of you, maybe you need to do that. You need to go through and you need to get rid of some of that stuff. And that's to go all in. And some of you need to never go to a certain place again. There's places that you go that you've done a certain thing and you see that certain someone and that is the thing that drags you down. You made a decision to go all in a certain direction and to follow Jesus, but you keep going to that place and you get dragged back. All in means burning the ships. And the first step is always the longest and the hardest, isn't it? Right? And you can't take a step into the future until you eliminate the possibilities of the past. Last week we talked about there being no faith in safe, right? And it's true, because following Jesus has to be an all or nothing thing. And faith brings great rewards. See, we want to follow Jesus without really risking anything, without having faith. That's why we say, well, if this doesn't work out, then I can go back to my old way of life. I'll try this. But there is no try with Jesus. It's all in or it's nothing. So sometimes we remember our old lives. 
right? We start following Jesus. We remember our old lives. We remember those old habits. We remember those old places, those old friends. We go, well, it was better. It was better back then. You remember hanging out with that guy? Do you remember how much fun we had? Remember how much fun we can't remember we had? Nobody has that experience? <laughs> it's okay to laugh in church, folks. It's okay. But that's what the Israelites did, though, right? God miraculously delivers them from their captors. They were slaves in Egypt. The plagues come, Pharaoh sets them free, and then they walk across on dry land across the Red Sea. They get into the, to the desert, and what do they start doing? They start complaining, why did you bring us here? At least we had fish in Egypt. But they forgot that they were slaves in Egypt. They forgot that they were tormented, that their lives meant nothing to anybody there. And they forgot that they remembered the fish. The fish was great. It's like us, we, we forget the hangovers, we forget how much trouble we got into, we forget the police records, we forget the damage to relationships that we cause, and yet we go back to those things, don't we? We do, we forget. But back to Elisha, burning the plow was his all-in moment, and he couldn't live in the past, in the successes or the failures, he left it all. He left his money, he left his friends, he left his family, he left his community, he left it all behind. He didn't take anything with him. I would say that just like Elisha, you live differently when you don't have anything to fall back on, right? You go all in and you go forward. And I think here's our big issue that keeps us from being all in. The biggest issue is we want God to do something new while we keep doing the same old thing. See, if Elisha had stayed on that plow, bumpity bump bump, riding, he would have never been able to receive a double portion He wouldn't of, of Elijah's spirit, of the power that he had. Elijah was a powerful prophet. He never would have been able to have that. He never would have experienced all that he experienced had he said, hey, you know what, I'm going to hang out here, but I, I want to expect, I want all the stories. I want to know. I want to see it all. Do it right here. That doesn't make any sense, does it? It cost him something. He had to go in. And most of us get stuck spiritually because we keep doing the same things over and over again, expecting different results. But isn't that like the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results? We need spiritual routines, like your Bible, your devotions, your prayer times. Those things are important. They shape us. They shape your day. They shape your attitude. Those things are important. But they can also hinder us, <coughs> especially if we decide to go to a new place in Jesus. You know, the way we've been giving financially, or the way that we have shared our lives or opened our lives with other people, we need to increase. We need to grow. If we keep on doing the same thing over and over again, it's never going to be any different. It's never going to be any different. And what got you where you are with Jesus may not get you where God wants you to go next, right? That big, that big thing, that next, that next exciting part of your relationship. And when we hold on too tightly to what God did last, we often miss what he wants to do next, right? We miss out on that. What if I told you that God is moving in all of our lives right here and right now? The times when God did move in the past should be a reminder of his faithfulness to us, but it should by no means hinder us it should propel us. It should propel us to go, God was faithful before, he'll be faithful again. When we remember God's faithfulness, it builds our faith so we can step forward into what he's called us to do, right? And God is always doing something new. He is not the I was, he is the great I am. That's a right here, right now, forward going kind of God. He is doing something. And he's the God of the present, so don't get stuck in the past, right? Because he's here right now. And I'd say that, that most people at some point in time stop living out of their imagination or, or their, their desires to go forward. They start living out of memory, right? 
And I would say that this is the beginning of the end for us. And this is when we begin to die is when we just celebrate and live our lives from one point or one success in our lives. Right? You know, we all have that one friend, or maybe it's that uncle, right, who was 20 years ago, he, was, he had a really great season in bowling. You know what I'm saying? And he still wears his prize bowling shirt because that was his lucky one. And he talks about the glory days and maybe shows you his trophy or maybe he got a medallion and he still wears it. Like, you know, maybe it's not bowling, but we know somebody like that, don't we? We, we, we think it's a little creepy that they, they still remember that stuff and that they talk about that stuff and they focus on that. Maybe they've got a highlight reel that is constantly playing at their house of the day that they sunk that shot. You know what I mean? Somebody that is living from that point, they get stuck there and it's sad. We look at them and go, they have nothing else. They spent the last 20 years celebrating one success. They've allowed it to define who they are even today because they... It's nice. It's a good feeling. It's something that should be celebrated. But, you know, what's the next celebration? What's the next thing? But how many of us do this, right? Our past successes, or even worse, our past failures are defining who we are today. You say, well, I've tried to lose weight before, and I always found it. I lost it, but I found it again. That's my story. That's my story. And if any of you know me today, you know that for the last few weeks I've been working on getting into the gym. And I've been, Sean sees me there. I'm at his gym. I go and I'm, I'm going there. I'm trying to work out. But before then, if you talked to me before that commitment and before that time, I was like, you know, I've done this before. I'm not really interested. It doesn't really work well for me. I'm not very committed. Like I had all kinds of excuses and I was living today from my past failures. I was living that out. Or maybe, maybe for you, it's like I've tried to quit that before, but I always go back to it. Or I can't break the habit. Well, that's all in the past. Today's a new day, isn't it? You say, well, maybe I've repented a hundred times for doing this thing, and I've never been able to kick it. Okay. Regardless of success or failure, it's time to burn the ships. Today can be an all-in moment for you. Today can be the moment that you go forward and do like the Apostle Paul says. In Philippians 3, 13 through 14, he says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. To be all in, we have to move past our past whether failures or successes. Paul, Paul's a successful dude before he became the Apostle Paul. He was Saul, right? And Saul was, he talks about, in the verses previous, he talks about his family heritage uh, and how he followed the law flawlessly, how he was one of the, the chiefs of the Pharisees and how this guy was given power. He had authority. He had much success. But his past failures, he beat and threw it in prison and even killed Christians. If anyone had an excuse as to why God couldn't use them, it was Paul. Because he killed followers of Jesus in the supposed name of God, and he wasn't just doing his own thing. He was in direct opposition to Christ. But this is the one thing he says that I do. I forget what is behind. To go all in, we have to do this, because Paul knew that Jesus redeems and makes all things new. Your past, no matter how painful or successful, no matter what it has been, Jesus recycles. He's in the recycling business, isn't it? And he makes all things beautiful and new. And Paul was saying that my past will not hinder me. If anything, it would propel me because we know what Jesus saved us from, right? So stop regretting the past and press on. 
Learn from the past, but don't let it keep you captive. The scripture just said, forgetting what is behind, meaning it doesn't hold you back. If anything, our past should propel us to Jesus. Because Jesus forgives. Jesus gives grace and mercy. So use your past mistakes as something to stand on, to reach higher, right? And then Paul said, straining towards what is ahead. Straining. Does this sound like something you want to do? For those of you that work out, you know what straining is all about. It's that, uh, it's that last rep that you just can't get in and your arms start to wibble wobble like this, right? Oh, is it just me? Okay, all right. <laughs> straining is walking out of the gym after leg day. Let me tell you that. Straining is pushing the gas to drive after leg day. Straining is trying to turn the wheel after arm day. You can't do it. It's tough. It's a strain. Or strain maybe for some of you, it's just straining is, you ever reach for something really high before, and you're stretching, and you're stretching, and you're stretching, and you finally get it, but when you bring your arm down, your arm like goes into a spasm, you know, and it hurts. It's restraining. And Paul says that, I strain towards what is ahead. You know, the Bible never said it would be easy to live this life and to follow Jesus. If you can find that verse, I would love to see it, because I would love to say, aha! You did say it was supposed to be easy right here. Maybe it's in the book of Hannah. I don't know. But anyway. <laughs> Sorry, that's an inside joke. We were sitting with somebody yesterday, and they said, it's, I think it's in the book of Hannah. I said, I don't think that's a book in the Bible. <laughs> I don't think that's a book in the Bible. Anyway. <laughs> but straining towards <laughs> what is ahead. It's not supposed to be easy, but we are to do that. We're to press on, right? We're to press on in our marriage. We're to press on in our parenting. Press on with our God-given dreams and press on in our finances. It is not easy to stay disciplined in our finances, is it? To follow a budget, that takes straining. To, to, follow, to, to be great in our marriage, to be great as parents, to do what it actually takes to be God-honoring in all that we do is a strain at times. It's a strain. And perhaps you've got a difficult season in your life that you're going through and you are straining. It's okay. Press on. Through Christ you can change your life. And the truth is, is that the only way to predict the future is to create it. Right? I'll say it again. The only way to predict the future is to create it. You don't have to just let things happen. You have to, like for marriage, for, for say, or a relationship... You can have a great marriage or have a great relationship. You don't want to just sit back and wait for something like that to happen. You have to make that happen. You have to create a great marriage. How do you do that? Well, I want to have a great marriage with my wife. It's one of my personal goals that I want to kiss this woman on my 50th wedding anniversary. And we're going to have nine years in June. Yeah, I'm getting the eye. <laughs> June 18th. <laughs> We'll have nine years. And folks, that's 41 more years of pressing on, of straining <laughs> to make it happen. So what do I do? How do I strain? Well, the strain is, is encouraging her. It's going outside of myself and encouraging her. It, it's praying for her. It's I want to date her. That takes setting aside time in my schedule to go out on a date with her and to, to arrange childcare for my kids. And, and I, I want to love her. And God has given all of us the power to create the future that we desire, that he's given us the desire for, right? And, and I don't know, I think it's silly that we think that God doesn't want to bless something like that, that he wouldn't want to. You say, well, I want to be a generous person. You can create that world. I want to fall more in love with Jesus. You have the power to create that. The Bible says if you draw close to God, He'll draw close to you. Be intentional about that. 
In other words, stop regretting the past and start learning from it. We have to press on. And too many, too many times it say we follow Christ up to the point of inconvenience, but no further. As soon as it gets a little tough, we're like, yeah, I'm, I'm out. I'm out. And Jesus never promised our lives would be easy, but he did promise that he would never leave us or forsake us. On Easter Sunday, that's a wonderful thing to hear. On any day, that ends in why. That is a wonderful thing to know. Not just today. We have to burn the ships. We have to burn the plows. And we have to press on. Look at Elisha again. We'll jump back to him. 2 Kings 2, 9. It says, when, he had, uh, when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, now let me tell you what's happening here. Elisha's getting ready to leave in a cloud of glory. Uh, a fiery chariot is getting ready to come down and swoop him off the planet. And Elijah was one of the greatest prophets that ever lived. And Elisha's just serving him all these years. He's getting ready to leave. And he says, what can I do for you to Elijah? Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? And Elisha replies, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. Who has the audacity to ask for something like that? The greatest prophet that ever existed is Elijah. And Elisha says to him, I want double what you have. Okay. All right. You know, here's Elijah. This is the guy who prayed that no rain would fall. And none did for years, until he prayed again for it to fall. And it did. Here's the guy who called down fire from heaven to consume a sacrifice. And it did. And Elisha's like, I want double that. I want double that. But you know why Elisha had no problem asking for that? Because he was all in. He was all in. And the truth be told, the story is, Elijah had so many, so many uh, miracles that he did. I can't remember the exact number. I want to say it was 20 miracles that are recorded. Don't hold me to it. And Elisha died. So if it was 20, he should have had double that, right? 40. And there were certain, there were, there were, he had one shy when he died. And then a dead man was thrown on Elisha's bones as they were running past his tomb. They were being chased. They threw a dead man on Elisha's bones and the man came back to life. And there was his double. There was his double. Of the recorded miracles that Elijah did, Elisha did exactly double that were recorded in the Bible. And he asked for it. That's just really cool to me. It's not even in my notes. It's just, that was free. That was just for you to know. <laughs> but Elisha had no problem asking for double because he was all in. He held nothing back from God. And he had no hesitation to ask and expect that God would give all of himself to him. And so we have not because we ask not. And I think we ask not because we're not all in. We're not all in. We have to press on. So how do we press on? We burn the ships and plows. If you have nothing to go back to, you have to press on. So let me ask you this. What decisions do you need to make in order to press on? What decisions do you need to make? What actions do you need to take? Is it ending a relationship? Is it taking things to the dumpster? Is it leaving your past at the feet of Jesus so that you will no longer be defined by that moment? Through Christ... You create your future. We move forward with God-given and God-honoring dreams. We don't wait. We move forward in one direction, right? We paint the picture and get a plan to begin. If you don't know where you're going, if you don't know what that, where you're headed, you can't get there, right? So paint a picture. What does it look like? Begin to plan it. This is how we press on. Cortez knew what he was going to do. He's going to conquer. I'm going forward. I'm burning the ships, and that's where we're going. We're going to settle here. We're going to conquer this place for Spain. The last thing you do to press on is don't walk alone. We all need accountability. We all need prayer. 
We all need encouragement. James 5.16 says, Confess your faults one to another, and pray for one another, that you may be healed. That's a relational thing. That's a relationship kind of thing. We have to have somebody to walk with. That when we go all in, and we move forward, and we stumble as we go all in, we can say, hey, I, I messed up. I need prayer. Because there's restoration in that, right? So here's my question. Are you all in today? Are you willing to burn your plows? Are you willing to release your past, your failures and successes, and just press on? You know, Jesus, from the moment that he left his throne in glory, was all in. From the beginning of time when God said, let us create this world, Jesus was all in. He knew the plan that would be in place. And here's Jesus sitting on his throne, surrounded in glory, surrounded in angels, with no lack, with no need of anything. And Jesus says, I'm all in. And he leaves that, and he becomes a man. A baby. Born. And for 30 years, he lives that life. And what is he living that life for? He is all in towards one goal, and that one goal is at the end of 33 years to die. For you and me be the ultimate sacrifice for our sins and not just for our sins, for our eternity in heaven, for our relationship with our Heavenly Father to be restored. Jesus was all in. Today we celebrate the day that not only did He die, but He resurrected because there were so many before that came and said, we are the Christ, and they died. But they didn't come back to life. And on today, we celebrate Jesus being all in. Can we be all in for Him? You know, the hymns of our faith they always have meaning. Even this song that we're getting ready to sing has meaning behind it. One of my favorite ones is, is I have decided to follow Jesus. And the story of where this hymn came from is staggering. There's a missionary who went to the province of Assam. And he was under heavy persecution while he was there. In other words, they didn't want him there. The political leaders and the people, they didn't want him there. But he found one family and he converted them to Christ. And he baptized them. And they went all in. And he moved on from there and he went to another place that the missionary did, but he left that family behind. Well, the, the, the leaders of the city of that province decided to make an example out of them. And so they persecuted them and they said that if you do not renounce Christ, if you don't renounce Christ, we'll kill your whole family. Witnesses to the execution on that day eventually told this story to the missionary who had led them to Christ. And they said when the father was asked to turn his back on Jesus or see his families die, he said, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. And then he watched his children die. And he said, the world behind me, the cross before me. And then after the execution of his wife and his time soon coming, he said, no one to go with me. Still I will follow Jesus. The crazy thing is when the missionary returned, to that province, he found that many of those same people who actually executed that man and his family had given their hearts to Christ. And this village was changed and then it spread all throughout the country of India. And it became part of a song that was sang across the country. And it was brought to the U.S. by missionaries where George Beverly Shea made it a part of the Billy Graham crusades that touched millions of lives. If you ever went to a Billy Graham crusade, you hear at the end, they sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. And they sing the words of that man who was all in unto death. All because of one man and his family. 
We're all in. No turning back. One person. One group. And I look around this room and I see so many families and I see lots of individuals. What could your all-in statement be? What kind of a difference could you make in your community, in your city, in your job, in your home, if you went all-in? You say, well, my spouse isn't all-in. That's okay. You go all-in. What kind of difference can you make? So today we're going to sing, we're going to sing this, uh, How He Loves Again. Because it's amazing how much God loves us. But we're going to take communion together. What, I know you didn't get your communion elements at the beginning of service, but right up here. And so we're going to stand and we're going to sing. And I'm going to ask that when you decide, I'm all in, to come up and take communion. You can take it, go back to your seat. You can do so as a family, individually, however you feel led to do it. But we're going to sing through the song one time. And at the end of that song, we'll come back and we'll pray. You know, but God may speak to you and say, this is your all in. This is the ship that you need to burn. This is the what you need to give up, or this is what you need to do. And if he does, I want to challenge you. Those connection cards on the back has a place to fill something out. I would say for you, say, Aaron, today I'm burning my plow of what? What is it? Write it down on that connection card. Or maybe my desired future of God, my God-given or inspired future is this, and I'm going to press on towards it. And when you do that, drop those into the offering buckets at the end of service because we'll pray for you. Our team will pray for you. In fact, if during this song you feel like you need prayer, I have people that have badges just like this and are standing in the back of the room. They want to pray with you. But we're going to use this moment to connect with God and be silent before Him and pray and consider what is our all-in moment and take communion together. So we all stand. Kelly's going to sing again. And you can just begin moving up and taking communion as you feel I'm all in. Oh 
That's going to be the joke every week, guys. Every week, I'm going to say that. Come back and join us next week for our last week on All In. And, uh, and happy Easter to you as well. Make sure you stop by the Connect table at the end of service. Check out the t-shirts, new mugs, and the tumblers. And uh, let me pray for you. Just this. Lord, thank you so much for what... Uh,